You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? Choices that we can make in our lives where you can go one of two ways. One of two, right? You can be jaded and keep you from doing something different or just be mad about everything towards everyone. Or you can say, okay, you got me this time. Next time I got you. And stay with that hope. We need that hope. That hope gives us life. That hope is what we need. Don't lose that hope. That hope, that human connection, that gets you through a lot. Just because we had it bad doesn't mean people behind us need bad too. Just because we were hurt doesn't mean other people should hurt too. Welcome. Thank you for tapping into some untapped keg, our podcast about sobriety and mental health, where we spotlight stories that provide hope and love. I am one of your hosts, RJ Zimmerman. I am your only host today. And this special episode is brought to you by my friend who told me my story is powerful and I need to tell it. And I think starting there, is important. It's important to for me to lay out that I didn't think my story mattered. I didn't think anybody honestly really cared about it. I had people ask about my story and I would tell it. I'm not I'm not shy about my story, you know. Um I'm an alcoholic, I'm eight years sober. But the more I tell it to people and the more people re- resonate with it, it's lets me know that It is powerful. I can provide hope. And maybe it will be a little inspiring. So without further ado, my name is RJ Zimmerman. I'm a father of two young boys who are two and four. I'm a a high-voltage lineman. means that I work with high-voltage electricity and all weather. Power goes out. I get the phone call. I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm the, I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a husband. I'm also an alcoholic. Growing up, I was the oldest of three kids. Right? And with being the oldest comes some responsibility. Well, I always wanted to be liked. So I would, the first few times that I drank, it felt like everybody liked me. It felt like, it felt like I could do no wrong. I was the happy-go-lucky person. I was told, you know, I was a, a, what did they call me? I can't even remember. Trooper. I was a trooper. That's the word I was looking for. I never felt that before. I wouldn't drink often, but when I did drink, I drank it all. All of it. 
it didn't matter if there was a 30 pack in the refrigerator. It didn't matter if it was two 175s of vodka. I would wake up in the morning, not remember the night, and all alcohol was gone, whether it was with friends or not. When I drank, it was gone. I didn't make the best decisions when I was drunk either. I mean, I I would drink and drive often, even when I tried not to. I ended up falling back into it. I would make women feel uncomfortable because I would get clingy. I would wake up in the mornings and look in the mirror and think, who do I have to apologize to today? That's not a way to go through life, is waking up on a weekend, wondering who you have to apologize to today. Is it my girlfriend? Is it somebody else that I've never met? Is it my friends? More than likely it was. That was what was really hard, was waking up with that shame. Waking up wondering, where am I? Who do I have to apologize to? What did I do last night? I don't know. And that's the answer to the question that it was, I don't know. My last four years that I drank, and I drank maybe, you know, once a month on special months, special months, it was uh, two times a month, right? Because I knew I had an issue. I knew I had a problem. And it never got better. I would try to drink just one or two drinks. But after that second drink, it was, I need to drink till I forget. And often when we're going through school and often when we're talking about being an alcoholic, we go straight to the the, (laughs) uh, effects, right? Like, so... What was I doing with my life? I really wasn't doing anything. That was part of the reason I drank so much. I was ashamed of who I was. I was ashamed of what I was doing with life. I I had nothing going on. I couldn't pay my bills. I couldn't do anything. But I found money to drink every time. So, and I am not proud to say this, but sometimes I'd go out and I'd, I knew that my friends that drank I knew they were out and they would ask, hey, you drinking tonight? No, I don't have enough money. Oh, I'll buy you drinks. And they funded my drinking for the night. That's the thing about Wisconsin is drinking is pretty cheap. The culture of Wisconsin did not help me. It did not. You know, it's glorified, not just drinking, but getting drunk. How much can you drink? Drink everybody under the table. When did you start drinking? If you didn't start drinking before the age of 10, You're behind the eight ball. And that's the truth. That is Wisconsin. Maybe it's somewhat changing now, but it really isn't. It really isn't. So we talk about the effects, right? We talk about the problem. But why don't we focus on the why? Often we don't focus on the why. Why did I drink the way that I drank? Why could I not settle for one drink? Why did I have to drink to get drunk? Why was I trying to shut my brain off? Why did I hate myself so much? You know, it starts as a kid. It starts as being being the oldest and not feeling like you have to be perfect to set the example. Right? So 
what happens when you get older? What happens when you don't like yourself because you're not perfect, but you feel like you have to be for other people? What happens when you don't put yourself out front and don't even know who you are because you have been trying to make other people happy your entire life? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, who am I? I'm still struggling with that question. I don't know. I'm, I am looking back on my journey through life so far to get here, 35 years old. And who is RJ Zimmerman? I know I like helping people. I know I've always liked helping people. I know I've always liked making people smile. But that's just a piece of who I am. It's not who I am. You know, being an alcoholic doesn't mean that I'm broken. That is not who I am. It is a piece of who I am. It is a piece of me. That's okay. I like to talk about the why so that we can help other people before they get to that toxic coping mechanism. Because that's what it was. That's what alcohol was for me. It was a toxic coping mechanism. And I fell into some after that. We demonize drugs. We demonize alcohol. When you drink or use to a certain point. But what about workaholism? What about things that are destructive to the people around you? Things that are destructive to yourself and you don't even realize it. That's what I did. You know, I I was not proud of the person that I was, so I started to take steps to find a way to be proud of who I was. Um, college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. High school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew that I loved athletics. That was all I knew. Everything that I did, grade school and high school, was around athletics. I didn't care about learning. I didn't care what was being taught. I learned perfectly fine. I, my senior, junior and senior year of high school, I did not bring my books home to do homework once. I did it all in study hall. I never studied. And I still ended up with a 3.3 GPA, not trying. Not even once trying. And that's not to be cocky and be like, oh, I'm smart. It's to show that I just didn't care. I wasn't engaged. I cared about sports and that was it. But I cared about sports and I didn't think I was any good. Other people would tell me I'm good and I would think that they're they're being polite. I don't I don't believe that. I was so deep into self-loathing and self-hatred from a young age that I didn't even know I was doing it. Up until about five months ago, if you'd ask me if I was proud of myself, I would still say no. And I'm eight years sober. I was eight years sober in December. I think that that's really important is to look at the why. Why did I drink the way that I did? The first time I drank, I was a senior in high school. And I got drunk. And I remember my brain just being calm. 
not thinking, just kind of doing, but being fun. Everybody enjoying me. And for the first time in my life, I felt like everybody there liked me. That's my addiction. My addiction is that I don't like myself and I need everybody else to have a good time to feel like they like me. I would get drunk and I would ask a woman to go home with me and they'd be like, no, I don't want to have sex. And I'm like, that's fine. Can you just sleep with me? Can you cuddle? And they looked at me weird and I'm like, I'm serious. Don't want to have sex. I just want to, I just don't want to be alone. That really happened five, six times. I'm still scared to be alone. And I don't think I'm the only one. I know I'm not the only one. It's okay. That's something that we don't talk about. Fear's okay. We're so caught up trying to be courageous that we forget that fear is okay. It took me a long time to understand that. So I'm going through life, hating myself, trying to figure out what I want to do, trying to figure out how to pay bills because I can't pay bills. I can't buy anything that I want. I end up racking up some credit card debt, just trying to get drunk drunk to escape. And I decide I'm going to go to line school. I'm going to follow my dad's footsteps. And not only did I follow my dad's footsteps to uh, be a lineman. And I, I was like, I should be a lineman because I enjoyed it when I worked there in the summers. You got to be somewhat athletic to do it. It's physical work. And you can support a family on it. Supported a family of five. Basically one income my entire life. I ended up loving it. I love the work that I do. I love the helping people because that's what you are doing. You're helping people get electricity. You're helping them live better lives. So I fell into it. You know, my dad has been sober from alcohol for about closing in on 30 years, probably 25, 27 years. Um, but we never really talked about it. I knew I knew how he struggled. He drank the way that I drank. We talk about it a little bit now, but growing up, we didn't really, other than I knew that he didn't drink because he couldn't stop himself. And that was kind of the only thing that I knew. So I knew I was susceptible to it. But what I wasn't prepared for was the addiction of shutting my brain off. The addiction of being the life of the party. Everybody liking you. So I go sober and go right after I graduate from line school. I had been, I cut my drinking down to every other month. Still an issue. First time I have a two day hangover, that was it. I looked, I was supposed to be somewhere with my girlfriend at the time. And I texted, I said, I'm not going to make it. And she texts back, I figured I wasn't planning on you being there. That hurt, but 
What was worse was I couldn't keep water down. I couldn't keep food down. Nothing down until midnight the next day. That was the last time I drank. I knew leading up to it that it was going to have to happen. And about a month later, I got my first job as a lineman. It only lasted a few months because not only did I not feel physically safe there, I was threatened. I was threatened because I was dating a black woman. So I think I find my job and I lose it because of I'm dating a black woman in the year 2014. That's the world we live in. So I'm home, sober, no job. Just bought a new vehicle. It wasn't brand new. It was a used vehicle, but it was, it was new to me and I needed one that was reliable. What do I do? I found stories. So I, I applied to jobs during the day. I ended up getting an interview two weeks later, but like I just, I was reading. I was playing video games and I was watching TV shows and movies. That's all I was doing. I removed myself from every trigger that I had when I started going sober because I went sober cold turkey. But I still hated myself. I could not look in the mirror and like the person that I was looking at. I think that has been the biggest struggle of this journey. It wasn't the alcohol. It wasn't giving up the alcohol. It was coming to terms with the fact that I did not like myself. How do you turn from not liking yourself to self-love? It's not possible to go straight to that. So I throw myself, I end up getting another line job at a utility company, and I threw myself into it. I'm renting a house with my girlfriend with the intention of buying a house and getting married, I ended up proposing to her and she's my fiance, but I'm out working. If they call for overtime, I'm in. They call. It doesn't matter what I have going on the next day. If I have family coming into town, whatever, I'm going to work. I defined myself by my career. I defined myself again. I went from defining myself as somebody everybody likes in alcohol to RJ the lineman. That's it. That's all I was. And I don't think I'm the only one who defines himself by what I do. That was another thing that I hated myself for was what I was doing. Could I tell somebody what I did and actually be proud of it? I could. If, I can if I'm a lineman. <clears throat> I threw myself into that job for six years. And then I realized it doesn't matter what I do. They just see me as a number. And I had work coworkers that I loved. I had coworkers that I didn't get along with. I had coworkers that I wanted to be proud of me for how fast I was coming along in the apprenticeship for the work that I was doing. But I wasn't proud of myself. I struggled in the fourth year of my apprenticeship because I felt like I should be better than I was. Even though I was perfectly fine, even though I was good for fourth year, I still felt like I needed to be as good as the people doing it for 30 plus years. That's unreasonable. 
That's toxic. That makes you fall into a deeper self-loathing pit. And then, you know, my first child's born. And at this point, I still don't know that I hate myself. I still, this is just my existence. So I am go from alcohol into some stories, into work. First child's born, I throw myself into being a dad. I love it. I, I still love being a dad. Being a dad is one of the best things of my life right now. I just, do I have, sometimes does my patience run thin? Absolutely. I'm, a, I'm human. I'm a parent. They're four and two. They got nothing but energy. I'm 35. I don't got it like that anymore. But I threw my self-identity into being a dad. Not So who's RJ? RJ's a partier. Somebody everybody likes. RJ's a lineman. RJ's a dad. None of these things really define me, but that's what I was throwing into the bucket. That's all I could throw into it. I didn't realize that I didn't know who I was until people started asking those icebreaker questions. What's one thing about you that's special? I couldn't answer. There's nothing. I'm a chameleon. I went from one group to another. I didn't realize this at the time. But I realize it now. I've never had a deep conversation with a friend. I've never been able to have deep conversations with my family. Not really. Sometimes I used to try to have deep conversations with my partner. I just wasn't able to because I didn't feel safe. I didn't realize the the guards that I had up to protect myself. I was so deep into trying to make everybody like me, trying to blend between these communities that I never figured out who I was, really what I enjoyed. I put it on my children to have to make me feel wanted. That's not okay to do to a child. I didn't know it at the time. My second child's born. I'm sober five years at this point, six. And uh, I had very little patience. Work is rough. I don't have anywhere I can turn. I don't have anybody I can talk to. I'm always on eggshells. I'm always on thin ice. Taking steps. And I notice when people are upset with me. So every time I take a step and there's a spider crack, I seize up. It was to the point I was in such autopilot mode. 
I didn't even know what time it was. Ever. That's when my ADHD kicked into high gear. I'm working this job for six years doing stuff that I learned the first week on the job and I can't remember how to do it. In a very unsafe environment. I can't remember how to do any of it. That's completely unsafe. What do you do? I know I had ADHD. I know it wasn't affecting my life at this point. So I go to therapy. And I get treated. And we try to manage it. Because I was an alcoholic. I didn't want to try a stimulant. For medication. It worked to a point. But it didn't work fully. I never really broke through with that therapist. Um, You know, I was struggling on every single front of my life. And I wasn't honest about it. I wasn't honest that I never looked into why I drink alcohol that way. Why did I escape the way that I escaped? Why did I want to forget? Why did I want to forget everything about myself? Why would I want to be me? I started the podcast with my brother-in-law. And it was the first time talking about sobriety that I learned there's more to it than just not drinking. That therapy, there's more to it than just going to therapy and talking. And it's not that you're doing work at home, right? It's not the homework. It's that you're being honest with yourself, period. Point blank. That's it. That's where we start. First time I said I was an alcoholic was on the podcast. I never even considered it before. Alcoholics drank every day. I didn't drink every day. I just drank it all. That's a lie. That's a bias. Thank you, Hollywood. It's not true. Alcoholics is somebody who disappear into the bottle, no matter how often they drink. When you drink and you can't stop yourself, you depend on that. And when you come to depend on something, That's when you have to look into the mirror and ask why. Up until about five months ago, I everything that I did, I was like, okay, how's it gonna how am I gonna mess it up? I'm not good enough. I can't do that. Stop myself. No, I need help. Like but I wouldn't ask for it. I, I would say I needed help, but I would never ask. Never ask. Never say anything. Then I started seeing some stuff on Twitter about some complex trauma that stays in your life. Complex childhood emotions that you never get past. Um, and a book. So I read it. And I really, really, I identified with a lot of it. And it was Brittany Shelton. And it was Discovering Beautiful. And I highly recommend this book. It's a, it's a very easy read. It's a quick read. Um, 
but she talks about how she changed her life and how you can change yours too. And that was the primer that I needed to start to read other books and start to absorb and look at my life and be and wonder why am I not moving forward? Why am I in this rut? And that was when I started reading more books, Joshua Medcalf. And then came Jessica Leahy's book about raising kids. And then came uh, Amanda White's book, Not Drinking Tonight. And all these books laid more of a foundation for me to look at my life and realize it's not too late to start to be okay with yourself. You don't have to love yourself. That's that's not the point of this. Okay? Look at how you internalize your emotions when you feel them. That's the first step. What do you do with your emotions? The culture that I was raised in, nothing. You sat there. You sat there. And that was it. You get mad, sure. That's it. That's not healthy. So every time that I got emotional, that I felt something, I had shame behind it too. If I would get sad, look at other people's lives, I don't have any right to be sad. And I'd feel shame. Push it away. I get too happy, there's something that's going to happen to bring me down and it's going to be caused by me and I perpetuate the cycle all over again push it down shame follows it's okay to ride waves it's okay to feel your emotions it's the only way that we are going to move forward is to allow yourself to feel these emotions that's hard when starting out that's hard To allow, as a man, raising the culture I was, allowing these emotions. No, I cannot allow emotions into my life. That's not something that's acceptable. It's not okay. I was dead wrong. The weakness starts there. And not being honest with myself about my emotions. That's why I hated myself. I'm a pretty sensitive person. I'm sensitive to everybody else's emotions around me. I feel the environment. I'm a sponge. There's a lot of toxicity. I feel it and absorb it. And I could either do one of two things. I can become toxic. Or I can continue to be naive and change. Before a few years ago or not even years ago a few months ago i would absorb that toxicity and put it right back into the world without even realizing it i'd bring that home so my kids would see without me even noticing they pay attention to everything and life is a bunch of cycles for all of us that's what we do we go through cycles you look at history Cycles. You look through companies, cycles. Everybody says the same thing. But as individuals, we have cycles. 
And a lot of them are big cycles that take a long time to get through. A lot of them are little cycles. When we change one thing, it can affect another without even realizing it. I started to allow my emotions to happen. I started keying on, why do I feel irritated right now? Why do I feel sad? What is going on in my life right now that that is affecting me? Well, that helped me to actually name my emotions, be able to talk about them, put words on them. And it helped me realize that I hated myself so much. I used to think it was selfish to be proud of yourself. I used to think it was very selfish to take time for yourself. It's not. I didn't know that. That's all I knew. But it's not. When we are top of mind about something, that's when we can make changes. And by top of mind, I mean if we feel an emotion or you, you know that your body's feeling a certain way, you're uptight, thinking about why is that? If I'm going through a craving in my sobriety right now, I think why am I craving right now? You know, there's the, the hunger halt, hunger Anger, uh, I'm losing the, the L, but I know it's tired. And so that's when you get cravings. So if I, if I have a craving, then there's a reason for it. What is going on in my life that I'm getting this craving? What can I do to be okay with what's going on? Sometimes you have to accept because that's all you can do to control. Whatever's going on. We don't have as much control over our life as we like to think we do. But when we wake up and we want to be better today, that's something that we have control over. And that's where it starts. So, just know you're not alone out there. Sobriety starts when you want to make a change. And what do you need when you need to make that change? Some hopeful naivete. That childlike hope where you don't know if it's possible. But you're going to try. Let's see what happens. That's what we need. Mental health, sobriety. Changing society, changing a stigma, changing so much in our life. We need that childlike hope. We need to find that inside. What are we going to do? I don't know, but we're going to try. You know, I don't know what the next step is, but I'm just going to put foot in front of the other because that might be the next step. Maybe I realize, oh, the next two steps need to be a skip. Let's take a couple longer strides. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try something a little different this time. Let's let's try it this way. Maybe that'll maybe that'll help me feel better. That's all we can do in this life is just to try. See what happens. And be hopeful that we can make it happen, that we can make a change. We want to change things. And fear comes along with that. 
How do you keep that fear from holding you back? You gotta be a little naive. How many times are there choices that we can make in our lives where you can go one of two ways? One of two, right? You can be jaded and keep you from doing something different or just be mad about everything towards everyone. Or you can say, okay, you got me this time. Next time I got you. And stay with that hope. We need that hope. That hope gives us life. That hope is what we need. Don't lose that hope. That hope, that human connection, that gets you through a lot. Just because we had it bad doesn't mean people behind us need bad too. Just because we were hurt doesn't mean other people should hurt too. I think that's the most important part of my story. It's not that I'm an alcoholic. It's not that I I had no self-worth. It's not that I didn't know who I was. That's not the most important part of my story. The most important part of my story is I found my hope again. I found it through sobriety. I found it through mental health. I found it through therapy. I found it through meeting so many amazing people. People who really do care. Who make this world a better place. Shine some hope. That is what keeps me going. Is being around people who have that childlike spark, that hope, that inspiration. Let's go out and get it. I never thought that I, my story was, would resonate with people. I never thought that I had anything in my story to uh, help people. I was wrong. I was wrong about a lot of things. That's something else that I learned. Even though you know you don't know everything, you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't admit that you don't know that and you're just making it up as you go along, it's hard to learn. It's hard to learn that way. So if you take one thing from my story... I want it to be, find the hope, whether it's somebody else. Find something about yourself that you can use to try to be better tomorrow than we were today, right? Find the reason, and it does start with you, find the reason that you want to change. It starts with ourselves. We want to be the our best selves. We want to be it. That's what we like. That makes us feel fulfilled being our best selves. Find that hope so that you can be your best self. It's out there. Sometimes we just got to search. Jenny, I see you. I appreciate you. 
If anybody wants to ask questions in the chat, let's go. Last 20 minutes. All RJ episode. I appreciate you for listening to my story. I know it was a lot of ADHD moments. I shot from the hip. And that's what I got. I'm glad you're feeling inspired and hopeful, Jenny. Thank you for being here. That's, I didn't know that I could be inspiring. Like the thing about sobriety is that we're so, what we're scared of when it comes to sobriety, when it comes to mental health, period, we're scared that it's the end. Sobriety, we're scared we're not going to have fun anymore. I wasn't having fun when I was drunk. And if I was, I couldn't remember it. I never remembered it. So what's the point? If I wake up in the mirror and I look in the mirror and I hate that person, how's that helping me? Same thing, same thing with not liking who I see in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, that's not helping me. That's not helping anybody in my life. You don't have to look in the mirror and love the person you see, but you can look in the mirror and say, you know what? You're all right. You're going to be all right today. And that's the great place to start. That's where we all got to start. And I'm not talking physically. I'm just talking mentally. Because you see your own heart. You see what you're doing. I... I grew up in a small town and I had a lot of same friends from kindergarten. I hated myself, but I pretended they were people that they weren't too. I wanted to be liked by those people so bad that I would look past the things that I would hear. The things that were done, people being bullied. I would try not to, you know, I wasn't the bully. I would try to be there for everybody. There were moments, though. There were moments I was a bully. There were moments where I look back and I could have done better. But I can't change that now. I can just do better now. I can just reach my hand out and I can let you know that I'm here for you. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be alone. And I love you just the way you are. I still have moments where I look back and I, I'm like, why would I do that? Why did I do that? That's, that's mean. That's frustrating. That's not just frustrating. That's mean. Like, but I try not to dwell on it anymore because who is that helping? Is that helping the person that I offended back then? No. Is it helping me right now? <laughs> Absolutely not because I'm burning the food that I'm cooking, but I'm dwelling on that. Like, 
that's something that I'm learning about myself is that, you know, it's okay to think about those times, but think about it, move past it. Think about it, move past it. And it's okay to feel it. Does, there's going to be sad days. There's going to be happy days. There's going to be moments where it's deep, deep sadness where you don't know what to do next. What do I do besides just be sad? Sometimes that's what we have to do. Sometimes that's what our body needs. Sometimes that's what our mind needs is to allow ourselves to be sad. I've let people hold me back and myself most of my life. You can't do that. I would let people tell me, oh, you know, you should have done this better. You could do it that way and that'd be way better. Or you can't do that because you don't have this. You don't have that one thing. Why is that one thing going to make me a better person and be able to help other people? I keep seeing all this stuff online about how... Let's just talk about it. Will Smith. How that's not what a man does. That's not a real man. We're still talking like that? 2022? We're still talking to someone a man does? Like, come on. Adult. Is that what an adult does? Because a woman could have done that. They're just the same. It is an adult who acted like that. And guess what? We don't know the full context around it. The people who are casting these stones are the ones who are in the most glass houses. It's okay to not be okay. Until you're not okay, then don't talk about it because that's not making me feel good. Mental health, sobriety, it's not a lifestyle. It's not a program. It just is life. Right? You don't just go through it and you're done. There's no end point. There's no point where you get a certificate and you're all good. Now you can go on and do things with your life that aren't this. It's there and it's a part of your life. And when you accept it, when you accept it and you can start to allow it into your life, that's when you start to move. That's when you start to change the path. That's when you get out of these ruts. When I was in autopilot mode, I didn't know I didn't know what to do. I didn't know I was in it until somebody told me I was and then it's like, "Well, how do I stop this?" Nobody could tell me. The only way that I got out of it was being intentional with what I was doing in the moment. How am I going to change this current circumstances I'm in? How am I going to change 
how I am at work and then not bring that home. It's not something that you could just, it's not a lifestyle change, right? It's not a lifestyle change. It's a life change, trying to figure out where do I change this little cycle to interact with this cycle so that I'm not just waking up, going to work, coming home, feeding everybody, going to bed. That's all That's all I was doing. So what do I have to change there? I have to change my sleep schedule. I got to change how I talk about people at work because it was why... Every time was, they did they did it wrong. How stupid. Why would they do it that way? There's a better way to do it, and it's my way. Find that hope. Find that hope. Nobody wakes up and thinks, oh, I'm going to screw this person over. Nobody wakes up and thinks, I'm going to give them a hard time. Give people room for growth because we're going to need it at some point too. Find that hope. Let that child out. Have some fun. Laugh. Do something that you've never done before because what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to like it? That's... That's really life. Next time I do a solo podcast, I'll go deeper into why I had this need to be liked by everybody else. Why I... Where it started, this perfectionist attitude, this self-hatred, but I really wanted to get through that the change that needed to happen, it needed hope to start. And that it's okay to be sad. It's not selfish to take time to decompress for yourself. It's not selfish to want to feel better. Your hobbies aren't selfish. It's not selfish to hope. Feel. It's selfish to stay the same. To not let people in. That's the selfish part. It's selfish to think that you have all the answers and not allow others to speak. Sometimes it's hard to find the hope in this life. My friend Mindset by Dave posted a video last week talking about how balance, something we're all trying to achieve, That's not what we should be 
looking for. That's not what we should be working towards. We should be looking for harmony. Because balance is like perfection. It's not achievable, it's not attainable, and when we maybe we get it, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like you think it is. But harmony. When you start to take one aspect and strengthen another and make up for weaknesses in another and you find that harmony and how everything can coexist. That's what we should be shooting for. That's what we should be trying to attain. That's the love we need in our lives. That's the hope. This has been RJ's solo episode of Untapped Keg. The story of how I went from eight years sober to being okay with myself. Find me on all social media platforms on Untapped Keg. Look us us up, all podcast platforms. Untapped Keg. Leave us a review, five-star rating. I love that. If you're looking for a new podcast player, go to Good Pods. It makes it really easy to discover indie podcasts. Um, it's almost like a YouTube for podcasts, except honestly, it's it's a little bit easier to use than YouTube is even. And, you know, hit me up if you need resources, if you just want to talk. My DMs are open on Tapkeg, all social media platforms. Go to untapkeg.com. You'll find an email list you can join. Once a month, we'll send out a newsletter. You can see my daily videos where I talk about my journey of accepting my emotions, what's going on in my life, what's new. And if you need a speaker for an event, someone to come in and provide some motivation, Look me up, RJ Zimmerman at untappedkeg.com. I'd love to be there. Everybody, have a good week. Let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least if we don't make it, we tried. Find the hope in your life. I love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.